Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, June the 9th, 2023. It is currently 10.56 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. So how are you doing tonight? How are you doing? If you're listening live, how are you doing this evening? Now, typically, when I go live later at night, I try to pick a topic. I try to, I try to do something maybe more devotional in nature, something that just kind of fits that late night kind of time slot. You know, I mean, there's just kind of a, there's just kind of a vibe you have when it's late at night to, to, to broadcast about that. But tonight I'm not really going to go in that direction. Maybe, maybe, maybe the way, maybe how I speak will have more of a late night vibe, but I don't think it will. Um, I, I think maybe, maybe the late night will intensify my discouragement, disillusionment, and just frustration with this topic. It may intensify those feelings. But these feelings are strong, whether it's late at night, whether it's early in the morning, whether it's in the middle of the afternoon, or whether it's in prime time, I've had a long history of being very, very frustrated about it, especially over recent years. So let me kind of, kind of just put forth my, my thinking here, just trying to kind of put forth how I my my philosophy, my perspective, my hypotheses. Not everyone agrees with me, but at least put it out there and then just look at this news story that I think in some ways, I think it actually <laughs> confirms what I what I'm constantly saying. But here is my feeling. And, and and I have this thought over and over and over. Whenever I get in my car and I am driving around and I see a church. I could be on a road trip going halfway across country. And every town I come into, I know, I always look over and I notice churches. I mean, obviously I've been doing that since I became a Christian as a teenager, just looking at a church. I always think, I wonder what they're doing. You know, I wonder what they're preaching. I'm always just interested. I wonder how they do things. You know, just always interested in it, looking at their building and, and, and whatever the case may be. And, I think as I have, well, especially over the last few years, whenever I see a church now, I, I'm not so much as, it, it's not so much a curiosity or an interested. I always look at the building and, and I, I know you may, not, you may hate the way I think, but I'm just being very honest with you. When I, when I look at a building now, I, I think, I wonder how much it costs to keep this whole operation Operating. I wonder how much it costs to keep this all working, right? How much does it cost for, to maintain the building? How much does it cost? How, how, I wonder how, my, how many staff are employed. I wonder how much money has to come in for this or for that or for this or for that and for this, for that. So I always start thinking, I wonder what the cost is because you look at some of the buildings, you're like, oh, I bet you they're still paying on that building. I, I bet you. It takes a lot of money to maintain, you know, pay for the electricity, for everything for that. I, 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 and I just start trying to envision how much it probably costs. I wonder how, I wonder how many people are employed, right? And then I will then think, okay, this is about how much I think it would cost. 
And then I say something usually like this to myself. This is usually, you know, sometimes if I'm driving by myself, I may be talking to myself out loud because I do that frequently. Hey, don't judge. But at least in my mind, I'll look and I go, and I wonder what the actual benefit is being that is occurring based on the cost. I wonder what the cost benefit analysis is, right? I wonder if we, how much benefit is really, what is really happening at that church considering how much it costs to operate? I wonder how much money they're spending on Sunday school curriculum. I wonder how much money they're spending on small group curriculum. I wonder how much money they're spending on VB. I wonder all the money that goes into churches. Like you would be just shocked how much money goes into operating churches. And then you wonder, I wonder what really people are getting from it. I wonder what people are really well like are people going there going man now now what people who love a church they always talk about how amazing it is but typically when people praise a church a lot of times it's oh the praise and worship is amazing oh i feel the presence of god there the people are so friendly uh, oh we have all of these wonderful programs and and, and sometimes it's very I, I say surface level things right or relation. It's relational. It's surface. Um, but I, but, I, and then, and, and they'll say, they, they will say, Oh, and the teaching is so good. The teaching is so good. And then sometimes I'm like, Oh, okay. So the teaching is awesome. And then you just start talking to the person and asking them, you know, maybe basic questions about church history, you know, modalism, Sabalianism, Arianism. Uh, you know, Augustine, um, you may, you know, uh, the hypostatic union, the, the seven ecumenical councils, you know, the three major creeds, the apostles creed, Nicene creed, Athanasian creed. Like you, you maybe start talking some basic things about church history, pretty basic stuff, right? And they won't even have a clue what you're talking about. Not even a clue. Like they just, they'll just be like, well, I don't know anything about that. Or, or they'll start saying things in regards to church history that's just patently false, just like, especially when they start talking about the Council of Nicaea. It's almost usually just universally, what in the world are you talking about, right? And so it, you'll be like, okay, okay. So then you'll start talking to maybe about doctrinal theological issues, right? The Trinity, and then they'll give a definition of the Trinity. That's modalistic. <laughs> it's come straight from Sabalianism or modalism. And just like, no, that's not the doctrine of the Trinity. That's actually an ancient heresy condemned in the early church. Okay. Or, and then, and then they, they will have a hard time articulating things. You ask them about Bible study methods. So how do you study? They, they don't really have a method to study the Bible. They don't. They highlight some things. They read some things. And you're like, okay. So they're not really learning church history. They don't seem very well versed in theology. They have no clue to actually how to study the Bible. You start asking them basic questions about hermeneutical systems. So which hermeneutical system is utilized in your church? Historical, grammatical, allegorical, like you, and they, they and you, and you, and you just kind of realize, so what in the world are you really, what, like all the money that it takes to operate that church, what are people really benefiting from? Right? What are they really? And, and sometimes you're just like, I, at least for me, I'm like, okay, well, if that's, if it costs that much money to operate that church per year, especially if you can get a copy of their financials, then you'll look, you're like, your, your church spent that much money to operate that last year. And this is what the people know, like, at least from, I know that's a fleshly perspective, but I'm just sometimes baffled by it. Then you'll talk to someone and you'll start talking to them and it's like, 
boom, man. They know theology. They know church history. They're like, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, man, where did you learn this? Well, I bought this book. I bought this book. I listened to this podcast. I listened to sermons online. And, and you're like, wait, wait, this person like knows all of this stuff. But they're not pointing to their local church about where they learned all of it. They're, they talk about the books they purchased. They talk about the books they checked out at a library or, the, or their Kindle. And they start talking about this podcast or, or this, um, these messages online. And you're like, so all of their growth and all of their learning is being derived from things outside of their local church. And you're like, so local churches are spending all of this money, but the people are really being equipped Outside of the local church. And then, and then I'm just always, I'm just always perplexed by, does that not bother anyone else? Like, how much, this is just a question I I would love anyone to ask. If you go to a church, just how much money does it take to operate your church per year? What's the, what's the dollar amount? What is it? 50,000? 100,000? 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, you would be shocked in some cases how much money it takes to operate a church, especially if you've got multiple people on staff. I mean, that money is going, I mean, that's a lot of money. Now, what are you really gaining from it? And, and especially if people are saying, because in some churches, people say, well, I really get the most out of small groups, which don't even meet inside the church. In many cases, small groups are, are happening outside the church in someone's home, not led by someone on the paid staff of the church. They're a volunteer. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. You're getting more from small group than you are from your church? Why? And your church takes $100,000 to operate each year. I know it's a fleshly way of looking at it, but I'm, I'm just telling you, I do so. All right. Now, the way I started questioning the church, there was, there was something else that I was beginning to question way before the church. And that is seminaries and Bible colleges. Now, anyone who knows me knows how many different Bible colleges I've attended crazy amount because I was in a situation because I was in the United States military. I used every financial, educate, every educational financial benefit I could find to get as much education as I could obtain. If it was available to me, I went. If the, if they would pay for it, I, I'll go to that school, that school, that school. I didn't care the theology. I just wanted to learn, right? That's one. And, and then when I was like, I was getting tired of how many non-Catholics would talk about Catholicism showing more ignorance than of actual knowledge of Catholic theology. I'm like, I'll get a degree in Catholic theology. And I had the military pay for that. I was just anywhere I could go. And then what the military couldn't pay for, then I would pay for, or I would look for any school that was offering any kind of programs that I could take for for free. So I did everything. Bible institutes, everything from Moody Bible Institute to Grace University in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, to Slidell Seminary. uh, uh, I don't don't even know all of them. And and, and because I didn't care about the degrees, I didn't care about the certificates, I didn't care about the diplomas, I didn't care if it was an associate's, a bachelor's, or a master's. I never transferred credits, so I went to a different school. I wouldn't transfer for credits, I would just start over at the beginning and just work through, you know, the associates, bachelors, masters. That's why I have multiple degrees from multiple schools, right? Because I didn't care about the the diplomas. I didn't care about the 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 you know. Oh, I could put letters in front of my name. I cared about just learning, just learning. 
And I, I learned a lot about, hmm, sometimes, at least in my estimation, I learned more from the little more church-based schools, right? Like my first Bible Institute at Twin Cities Baptist Church in Papillia, Nebraska. Even though maybe I had some major differences doctrinally, ultimately, when it was all said and done. Man, sitting there on a Saturday, getting there about eight o'clock in the morning, we'd be there to five o'clock in the, you know, uh, afternoon, just all day, just Bible study and, and, and digging into scripture and, and having to take tests. And I, man, I, I, I will never forget those days. Uh, a Bible institute that I attended in Lawton, uh, Lawton, Oklahoma was by correspondence. Man. I learned so much from that school, these little, and then sometimes the bigger schools, it just felt so like, it was almost like it was created on a uh, assembly line, right? And I'm not saying it was always bad, but I just, I just, I just started having a, so how much does this cost and what am I getting from it? Like I would, I would question, I just completed say a year of a school and I'd be like, based off a year of going to this school and taking the test. I think I learned more by buying books and listening to things online just with myself, a notebook, and and, and just working on it. And in some cases, I felt like I learned more. So I started calling it into question. Once again, how much money? Like now, in that case, it was, I mean, it was the government's money, so it didn't really matter to me. But I would then hear these stories or see these stories of people who would, you know, move their family to go to some big name school to get a degree, you know, because they wanted to go into ministry and they had to have a degree from a, you know, some kind of a prestigious school or, or at least have a big name for the kind of church they were looking for so they could get that job as a pastor. And they would put their family and financial difficulties to go to a school to learn the Bible so they could be a minister. And I would like, wait, why? Why would we put the family in financial difficulty? Why would we have them incur debt? Why, why, why wouldn't the local church do its job and train? I think the local church should be training the people not for profit, but for ministry instead of sending them off to a school. So I was already starting to have lots of problems with it. And that, that mentality continues today. Now here, and then look what happened. An hour ago, I get an email from churchleaders.com. Headline, Southwestern Baptist Seminary ran up $140 million in deficit spending since the year 2000. Now, you have a seminary and just their deficit is $140 million. How much money is going into that seminary? How much money is exchanging hands for a seminary to run up $140 million in deficit spending? What is going on? So when you see a seminary with all these huge buildings, all, all the money that's coming in there, it's, I mean, this is like big business. Is that the way Jesus intended men to be trained for ministry? 
go off to this huge campus with these large buildings where, where millions upon millions of dollars are exchanging hands for someone to get an education so that they can go stand behind the pulpit and preach. And just think about it. You go to seminary, you learn all of these supposedly difficult, important, complicated theological issues. And then you're told when you stand behind the pulpit, now you got to dumb that down because, you know, you don't really give, really give that all to the people. Well, then why did you learn it? Let's read a little bit about this uh, article. Are you ready? A new report from trustees at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, which is not far from me, about uh, maybe a little less than two hours, um, details two decades of fiscal mismanagement, including a $140 million operating deficit. According to an overview of the seminary's finances released Wednesday, June the 7th, South- Southwestern ran an average deficit of one, of $6.67 million per year from 2002 to 2022. During that time, the number of full-time Southern Baptist students at the school dropped two-thirds, 67%, while expenses went up by a third, 35%. Now, I, again, this same thing. Are expenses going up in your church? How much money is it costing to operate your church each year? And what what is really people getting from it? And if it's costing millions upon millions of dollars to operate a seminary, why, 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 why aren't local churches training the men? I mean, what better place to learn ministry than in a church with your pastor? <laughs> right? The pastor can bring you in the office and say, we're going to work together on writing Sunday's sermon. Hey, we're going to, we're going to work on this. Hey, we're going to work on, we're going to, we're going to, uh, hey, here's a book on hermeneutics. You're going to read chapter one. I'll read chapter one. We'll get together and discuss it. Hey, I'm going to give you a test on this. Hey, you need to do a Bible study. Like you, the pastor, hey, I've got to go do a funeral. All right. I want you to see the whole process, right? Like you get to see ministry hands on. In your church, you don't have to leave your church. You don't have to move your family. You don't get in any debt. I mean, what? where's the best place to learn ministry? <laughs> in a classroom or in actual ministry? It makes no sense to me. It's like, hey, I know right now you're working in a place where we're actually doing construction, but instead of learning construction as we do construction, we're going to send you off to a school to learn about construction. Then you can come back to the construction. It just makes no, it makes no sense to me. All right. Uh, Here's a little bit more from the article. Some of this information is just absolutely crazy. Um, um, so they talk about, uh, the, you know, how many students, a decline in students, uh, how much the cost went up. All right. Uh, so as a, re- as a result, the school collected less tuition money from students. Okay. Got you. So they got annual expenses. Um, and let's see, total expense, um, went up. Let's see. Is that 40 million? Is that your, is that your annual expense? $40 million? I think that would be $40 million. That's crazy. Okay. All right. Um, so I'm just looking at some of these numbers, right? And so then there was all kinds of controversy. One president had to step down then they brought in another one. Then he resigned. And so there's just all kinds of problems in the seminary. And then listen to this. This is just the uh, uh, one paragraph here. All right. Um, the seminary. Okay. 
So they had a task force to look at what's going on because the school's running in debt and they're having all kinds of problems financially. It says, according to the report, more than $1.5 million was spent on the on-campus presidential home. So if you become the president of the university, you get to live in a home that costs $1.5 million. Is that is that the way it's supposed to work? Like, forget becoming a pastor, become the president of a seminary. I mean, come on, you get a one point five million dollar home. I'm just I just want the money to pay off my mortgage. I just need like a hundred thousand. That's all I need. If anybody wants to donate a hundred thousand dollars, then I could pay off my mortgage and then I would be set for the rest of my life financially. I just want my hundred thousand dollar mortgage paid off. But no, if I can become a president of a seminary, one point five million dollar home. That's that's in crazy. Okay. Um, this is including renovations and furnishings. So I guess, oh, oh, you get a furnished home, right? That included an espresso machine costing more than $11,000. So I get you, I guess they give you your own espresso machine, a uh, $60,000 for Christmas decorations because nothing says we are going to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the incarnation of the eternal son of God in a manger in Bethlehem, right? You know, we're, we're not, we're going to celebrate that by $60,000 for Christmas decorations and more than $25,000 for artwork. <laughs> These expenditures were made at a time when the seminary was making suffi- sufficient or significant budget cuts, including the reduction of faculty, personnel, and positions. The report also found that Greenway spent nearly $10,000 for first-class tickets to fly him and his family to last year's SBC annual meeting and spent $920 on a Florida Gatorhead decoration, which the Gators football team. So you look at all the money being spent, you look at everything. Now, I'm not here to get into the mismanagement of the money. I'm not even here to get into the mismanagement. Like Southern Baptists can yell and scream and, oh, they mismanagement and we need to get someone fired and we need to take, let, let them, let them fight it out. I just want to look at what's the annual budget for a seminary? Is it $40 million? $40 million to operate a seminary so that people can supposedly be trained for ministry. Now, I would challenge anyone. I, and, and I know whenever I say this, people think I'm, I'm crazy. Just take someone. Just get some, you know, some good church history books. Some good books on systematic theology. Some good books on hermeneutics. And then and, and sure that you, you just... Uh, learn some good Bible study methods and just start reading and studying and thinking. And and I think at some point, I, I, I per- personally believe you'll learn more than you would ever learn in seminary. I mean, just, just, just take, for example, I was just looking right before I went live. If you go to the Sermons 2.0 app or the sermonaudio.com website, maybe their beta site, and you look at uh, new, newest sermons, in just the last seven days, they have added almost 5,000, I think it's now over 5,200 or over 5,300 sermons in the last seven days, just on the sermonaudio.com website or the or sermons 2.0 app. 
over 5,000 sermons have been added in the last seven days. You could sit there with a notebook, a Bible, and just listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, taking notes. And if you have someone to talk to and think it through, and then if you're reading some systematic theology, some church history, some hermeneutics, maybe doing some work in Greek and, Greek and Hebrew, just doing some basic work, I think you could probably accomplish more than people paying all of this money to go to a seminary and all the millions upon millions of dollars just to operate the seminary. Take of all the seminaries and all the Bible colleges across the United States of America and ask how much money per year does it take to operate those those things? I've known plenty of pastors who have seminary education. You start talking doctrine of theology. Do they, do they somehow possess some greater knowledge? Now, some of them will have very specialized degrees where they maybe they pursue extra uh, work in Greek or Hebrew. Okay, well, then they're going to obviously know more than other people. Okay, that's a great thing. Maybe some will have a more focus on, on hermeneutical issues or, or textual issues. Uh, textual variants per se, or maybe they did an extra work on the Septuagint or maybe the Masoretic text. Like there's some uh, specialty fields within theological studies that can be very beneficial. But I just think that in general, a lot of that information can just be garnered by people learning within the confounds of a local church and the local church. Tra- just think about it. the local church trains the man. He doesn't go in dead, doesn't hurt his family. He gets to stay in his local church. He gets equipped. They ordain him. And then that local church helps financially either to help that, that person. Once he's found a job in ministry, they can help move him, help cover all of his expenses. There's no debt. They, 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 he can start off fresh in a church or if he's going to start a church, that local church can help finance it and support it. I just look at so much that goes on in the Christian world and I'm just like, I just don't know. All the money it takes to operate, all the money it takes to build the buildings and then spiritually, I mean, just think about it. Look at all the billions and billions of dollars spent each year to operate schools and churches. And guess what we hear year after year after year? The church is more biblically illiterate than it's ever been. It's more theologically illiterate than it's, I've been hearing that my entire Christian life. So what are we accomplishing then? Maybe billions and billions spent on all of these almost, they almost become miniature kingdoms. Was that money was funneled into local churches and local churches spent more time discipling, ministering, and preparing people for full-time ministry, I think I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I just, there's just got to be a better way. There's just got to be a better way. You can tell me what you think. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. That's news, if at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts and your perspective on this. I know I have mine is in the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority of the minority. There's probably like three people on the planet who agree with me. But again, I just think sometimes I have learned, this is just my own personal perspective. I've learned sometimes more. Just me, a Bible, a notebook, 
using the resources available available to me online, or even on just going way back to the day of just Christian radio and just and going to the public library, checking out books, going to college uh, libraries, checking out books, reading those books, taking notes, listening to sermons, and work, 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 work. Sometimes far more than I ever learned in an actual Bible college or um, I learned in church. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.